welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. And we're back, 81 Points, welcome again to our show, where we talk about all things Lakers. We're sitting pretty right now. We're sitting real pretty right now. Lakers are twelve and two. This is a bit of a foreign feeling, right? I'm getting used to it now. <laughs> You're getting used to it. Yeah. I know. You know. Uh, Coming back to my former uh, <laughs> Laker fan self. Yeah, like uh, we uh, uh, we were texting back and forth in the last game, but you know, I don't know if you could tell. I'm sure you could, but I was just supremely confident about that last game. You, you had know? a little. Uh, you had a little extra pep in your step yeah, as and, you were texting me yesterday. Yeah, and you know, um, I don't, f- I haven't felt this just, it's not even like arrogance, it's just confidence, you know? That Laker confidence you had during the Laker uh, dynasty eras, you know? Uh, the, yeah. the Kobe Shaq era, the Kobe Pau Gasol, just, just knowing that, like, it didn't feel like we were putting forth 100% effort. Um, by the Lakers, and yet you just knew. I just knew that the Lakers were going to pull that game out. It's quite a departure from uh, recent seasons where no it's lead almost is safe. like everything <laughs> has to go right. Yeah, in order for uh, the Lakers to squeak out wins versus certain teams. Yeah, but now, yeah, like you said, we're not even at a hundred. We're not even playing at our optimal, you know, capacity, and yet we're. We're just putting teams away, yeah. Yeah. So Lakers right now, they're 12-2, first in the NBA. I wanted to ask you two questions to start off this podcast, which is, is this what you expected 14 games in for the Lakers to be 12-2 in first place in the NBA? That's the first question. You can elaborate on on your answer, okay? Uh, Second question, which kind of is a a follow-up to the first one because I had a feeling you were going to say no <laughs> was what would you attribute as like the main thing the main reason why the lakers are where they're at right now so you That's so so question. no yeah you don't you didn't expect the lakers to be first in the nba at this point yeah how um, surprised are you by this i the i am very surprised because you know, usually when a team, when a championship roster comes together for the first time, it takes time to gel, usually, you know? Um, but it's been, it's been instantaneous. And it almost kind of harkens back to the, to the time when we traded for Pau Gasol. And that was just so seamless. Like, we felt, I, I, I felt like we were dominant from the get-go. Like, I think, I just, I distinctly remember, I think the first game was against Toronto, too. And Paul Gasol just looked so, he looked like he had been playing with the Lakers for, like, five years. It was against the New Jersey Nets, I Okay, maybe it was the Nets, yeah. Um, and Kobe, in that game, he, like, hurt his finger, and he only, like, scored, like, six points. Yeah. And yet, Paul Gasol was able to carry. It's crazy that we still remember this, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's forever I, ingrained in our in our minds. I mean, know? actually, I we we still remember the where we were when Pau Gasol got traded to the Lakers, right? I was, I, I was working out at the gym. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I actually remember. And I saw the ticker on the TV. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting the news like when I was uh, out in lunch, out at lunch in, in Newport Beach with my coworkers, like just just being dumbfounded. Yeah, I was slipping train. out. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, like this really harkens back to those days where I just feel like, man, uh, it just everything has seemed so effortless, just the way. And I, th- I guess maybe that's the thing that's been the most surprising is how well the team has gelled. You know, like, um, and I'm not just talking about the the you know Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James. I think we kind of expected that duo to be. Uh, you know, really comfortable with each other, especially given like the off season, you know, Taco Tuesday and all that. But from top to bottom, really, like everybody's just been. It's like I mean, even when KCP was getting, um, you know, skewered like in the early season of how terrible he's been, and like you see guys like Dwight Howard and like uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis just come to his defense like that. That's just. It's not that common to see, you know? Uh, fellow clutch client. Yeah, it, Tavius sure, it did. But, like, it just, it was, it's like just good vibes everywhere, you know, all around, you know? And partly is, it's obviously due to the fact that we've been winning and winning just cures all. But it's just, uh, yeah, I, I'm just really um, pleasantly surprised at how easily and how quickly everything has gelled together. It's been from what I've seen, like, a one-game adjustment. That first game against yeah, the Clippers... Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Like... I saw that game, and then it's like, okay, maybe this team is going to take a while to, <laughs> to, to look the way they're supposed to. Yeah. But ever since that first game, it's been, like, a, a, a 180. Yeah, like, four games, four or five games after that Clipper game, I was already ready for a rematch like i was like <laughs> like i already felt like oh we have a this is the new look lakers you know what i mean and yeah, that that three game road trip yeah was like uh an eye-opener yeah yeah and i think a, a big testament is to frank vogel's i think he's done such a great job you know and i think uh he just really set the tone with you know his rotations and and just his open-mindedness and on like how you know how to go about winning a game you know yeah so um yeah so would you say that vogel is i guess the second question is like you know what what would you attribute this current state of the lakers most to well yeah i don't know it's it's hard to 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 say it's one thing i mean what's been the biggest surprise to you is it the is it the chemistry of the team I would say it's Dwight Howard, to be honest. Okay. That's, so, that's the biggest thing for me. So uh, I would also agree yeah. that Dwight Howard has been the, the biggest surprise yeah. in the early going. And because of that, I wanted to uh, discuss a little bit today about... You know, it doesn't happen every day. Is where this, are play- we doing a Dwight Howard podcast? A Dwight... Just a Dwight Howard-themed heavily... Themed podcast? Uh, it's it's a case study. If My you will. goodness, a case study of Dwight uh, how Howard. times have changed. But it it's not every day that you see an NBA player able to totally reinvent themselves. Yeah, you know, it doesn't happen often at all. In oh, fact, it's very rare. Very rare. You know, it happens a lot in baseball. It happens all the time in baseball. But yeah, in in the in in the NBA, 
you kind of you are you are what you are. Yeah. Well, give Typically. give a couple of examples in baseball then, like of of people. Um, you know, you see a lot of like, for example, starters um, that you know they've lost some stuff, so they end up becoming like relievers, like dominant oh, relievers, like John Smoltz or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. And then you know you see hitters like make adjustments in their swing, and all of a sudden they're like they become excellent hitters they go from like contact hitters to like power hitters like justin turner kind of uh you know comes to mind although he wasn't necessarily reinventing himself he just became better but it happens all the time in baseball and but in the nba it you just you kind of know from the get-go what kind of player you're getting you know yeah and i and it's kind of like the nfl too i think you know you don't really reinvent yourself i feel like in the nfl as well Um, right right and I, I think to be a little bit more specific, it's players that are like left for dead and then they just reemerge and come back and like become something of themselves. That's kind of like what I'm what I'm talking about. And I feel like Dwight Howard is like that's that's his story at this moment, is that he was kind of he was a great player and then he was not. And kind of left for dead, and then now he's kind of resurrected and yeah. like reemerged as like well, a serious contributor. Right. What's interesting is though, it's not even uh, left for dead, and like it's because of his gameplay though. But his attitude was also a big black mark on his record. Yeah. So you I mean, know, that's, so a lot of it. You're uh, you're diving into like what I want to. Yeah. What I want to discuss. <laughs> it's. And I feel like you're you're bringing this up because there's another name that we can contrast that to, but you know, there's oh, a specific really... okay. There's a specific player in mind that that I'm yeah that okay. I'm thinking of. We, we can talk about that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dwight Howard has been you know in our opinion the biggest surprise uh, out of the lake coming out of the Lakers so far this season. Um, He's closing out games, right? He's, I mean, he's become indispensable. If he were to go down, um, you know, with an injury, knock on wood, hopefully he, you know, everybody's healthy. But I would, I would have just serious concerns about the season. Yeah, we'd that's be how serious, indispensable. The Lakers would be seriously hampered if he were unavailable. Oh my gosh! Like, I would not, I would not want to rematch with the Clippers if Dwight Howard. Uh, where to go down you know what I mean right like we need Dwight Howard yeah. for that rematch rematch against the Clippers so yeah so what I'm saying is let's let's look at Dwight Howard's career so far and try to figure out like how he's been able to do this okay. uh, because it doesn't happen every day it's like such a rare thing for a player to like take such a huge fall or like be on his way out and then suddenly like come back and and be such a huge piece to a contending team right um so i i took a little uh i took a little trip down memory lane at dwight howard's career and um coming into the season people were saying stuff like this guy's not even a hall of famer like that's how far he had fallen yeah which is just that's absolute slander because you know Regardless of how you may feel about Dwight Howard, that guy was a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, you need like, to if you if you felt that you need to like reeducate yourself on the history of his career. Yeah, you know because okay, he first overall pick, 
in the 2004 NBA draft. He had a five-year run um, from the 07-08 season to the 11-12 season where he was first-team All-NBA five years in a row. Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row during that span. Which is a... I mean, that's that's rarely done. Yeah, that's not that's no easy feat. No, by any stretch, it's a big deal to get a defensive player of the year. Even one, yeah, but even one is three in a row. Yeah, Uh, and he was that dominant for people who don't remember on the defensive end. He led the league in rebounding uh, five years. He actually led the league in rebounding the year he played with the Lakers. People don't remember that. Really, I didn't know that actually. Uh, That's with a like a hampered back, right? And he also led the league in blocks two years. So his Orlando and the one year with his Lakers, I mean, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame stuff, right there. If he would have stopped playing at that point, he would be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. He cemented himself um, from there. That's when things get a little interesting. So you touched on it. His year with the Lakers, he was starting to have some back issues. He was never quite fully um, peak Dwight Howard at that point. Yeah. And all the... That's when all of the... I mean, his the tail end of his Orlando Magic career, that's when he started building this reputation as, like, a problem in the locker room. Yeah, you know, I, well, you know, it started with the whole, I think, with the Stan Van Gundy right. type of thing, you know? When, uh, yeah. It was... It was leaked to Stan Van Gundy, uh, allegedly, that Dwight Howard was trying to get him fired. <laughs> yeah. And that that incident kind of set in motion this reputation that uh, Dwight Howard would build as, like, a cancer to a team. Yeah. And then, obviously, with the year with the Lakers, uh, you know, Kobe and Dwight Howard, that's just not a good combination personality-wise. They just, just don't like go to... It's like oil and water, water yeah. right? It's, it's just... Yeah, man. Dwight was... On his whole, like, play basketball with a smile, let's have fun, you know, let's be kind of goofy. And Kobe just wasn't having it. Kobe's like, I'll only, I'll only crack a smirk at the end, at the, at the championship parade. <laughs> you know, that's the only time you smile, you know? Yeah. Whereas Dwight Howard is just, he's a, he's a class clown, you know? Yeah, and that season with the Lakers, he, the team actually struggled throughout that entire season. Yeah. I think for most of the season, the Lakers were under under 500. Yeah. With a team with Kobe, Pau Gasol, Dwight, and Steve Nash. You know, Steve Nash obviously was hurt the whole time. But there were reports during that time that Dwight Howard was complaining about, like, not getting enough touches in the post. So that was another knock on him uh, locker room-wise, you know? Yeah, there was a, that was a knock, though, in particular because... You know, one of, part of the reputation for Dwight Howard was that this is a guy who demanded touches, wanted wanted like all the plays to run through him. Yet, it's like he he didn't he, he hasn't really developed a post game. You know, right? It's he doesn't really he does he, you're not going to be thinking Hakeem Olajuwon by any stretch of the imagination when you see him play in the in the post. You know, and for a guy of his athletic prowess, like. Can you like it's just can you imagine if he had just like twenty percent of the kind of 
post moves or the skill set that that Hakim has, you know, had, you know. And I think that's what people were kind of knocking him. You know, you got his, you know, uh, class clown persona, and then you got the fact that people don't didn't really feel like he was maximizing his talent. You know, people kind of thought that this is a guy who was just kind of coasting on his otherworldly, you know, one percent athletic ability. You know, and yet here he was demanding the ball and kind of, you know, moping about the fact that the offensive plays weren't weren't going through him. Yeah. At the same time, uh, the previous season, he had a herniated disc in his back. And if anyone knows that feeling of having a herniated disc in your lower back, that is, I can't imagine playing basketball with a herniated (laughs) disc in your lower back. You were, yeah, you were quite immobile. I was quite immobile when I herniated my disc, my lower back. Yes. Yeah. So I, I can't to, imagine what he to was To put going it mildly. Through. Right. Now try to play professional basketball. Like, I tell everyone, like, even taking a shit was, like, so painful. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting down on a chair, brushing your teeth, like, normal things that you don't think twice about. It was, like, torture with a herniated disc in your back. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we all know he left the Lakers. The Lakers offered him a max deal, and he turned that down and uh, took less to go to the Rockets. Uh, Which, had... by the way, is a very like, it's a very telling thing to do. You know what I mean? Telling in, in what sense? You know, to take less money, to leave a, a market like Los Angeles, you know? Sunny Los Angeles. Beautiful, sunny Los Angeles with just beautiful weather, beautiful woman, you know... Uh, being the toast of the town, you know, this is a this is a Lakers town, you know, so it's a very telling of how much he just did not enjoy his time here. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So he went on to Houston, uh, signed a max deal with them. Uh, had some other health issues. Yeah, I think he had um, some knee issues during that time, and you know all about knee issues, also. Looking at my my scar on my left knee right now <laughs> as we speak, my torn ACL. Yeah, and so his four-year run in Houston was rather unfruitful. He then went on to sign a three-year, $70 million deal with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, that's when, you know, more locker room trouble followed Dwight Howard. Uh, yeah, and by the way, like, if we were to rewind a little bit, like, Houston, when he signed with Houston, he was still considered, like, the top center in the league, you know? I think so. I think people yeah. were, were still thinking, like, wow, this, that's a huge get. Yeah, know? he was still a very good player. Yeah, and his reputation was, it, you know, it's like, no matter what, even if you have a prima donna, if you have a superstar, it doesn't matter, right? You put up with that. And that's kind of what you had with Dwight Howard. And then when he went and went to Atlanta, that's when it started. You know, when your talent is exceeded by your prima donna-ish, it's, that's when people start to just, you know, you don't start getting calls and contract offers. You know? Right. So I think he spent one year in, uh, one year with the Hawks and then uh, got traded to the Hornets. And I have this article, Bleacher Report article uh, on my screen from that time, and the title is Hawks Players Reportedly Screened in Jubilation After Dwight Howard Was Traded. That's crazy. So, you know, his presence in that locker room wasn't very good. Um, you know, to scream in jubilation, man. It's not even like, oh, you know, a quiet... Uh... A quiet cheer, or it was 
screams of jubil- jubilation. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a quote in here from an anonymous source that says, um, one account was that Dwight would give these speeches before the game about how everyone is playing hard, we want unity, we're going to do this and this. And then he goes out and plays a very blah game where he demands touches and doesn't rotate as hard as he could. So he was not endearing himself to his teammates in Atlanta at all, which led to him being traded after a season. And then he got traded to Charlotte, which I think locker room troubles followed him there too. And uh, I have have another article up here. Uh, because he played a season with the Hornets and then got traded again to the Wizards. And at that time, here's a uh, Charlotte Observer um, headline headline that reads, Here's why the Charlotte Hornets were so desperate to get rid of Dwight Howard. Desperate to get rid of him. Yeah. And if you remember, <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets GM is one Mitch Kupchak. And he has been forever... Um, his his legacy as a Lakers executive have has forever been tarnished by um, his signings of Lou Alding and Tim, Timothy Mozgov. Right? Yeah, that's what got him fired. Uh, he was th- he's the GM of the Charlotte Hornets, and he's the one that traded Dwight Howard away for none other than Timothy Mozgov. That's hilarious. So he it's come full circle. He he made an acquisition that was so egregious, egregious that got him fired from one team, but he wanted to get rid of Dwight Howard so badly that he traded him away for that exact contract that he that he took back on that for his fired, new yeah. for his new team. <laughs> so that's how bad it was in Charlotte for Dwight Howard. Um, and then obviously uh, Dwight's time with the Wizards was cut really short he only ended up playing nine games for them because he had uh more back issues so for dwight howard it was a combination of injuries and also attitude it's a couple things that you touched on right so how was he able to make this comeback story like what have you seen from him if you were to try to put the pieces together like how? What do you attribute his reemergence? I guess. Um, well, I think it's uh, it, it comes down to one thing, and that's his uh, change in mindset. <clears throat> you know, yeah. mindset in terms of his role. Um, and that. So I'm going to bring up the other guy. The other guy that I wanted to bring up when we're talking about this reinventing thing is Carmelo Anthony. Because, you know, you talk about how, like, why is it so hard in the NBA for players to reinvent themselves? And that's the part of the reason why is because once you're a superstar and once you've had that superstar, the taste of that superstar, like, treatment and lifestyle, it is so hard to humble yourself and be like, you know what? I'm just one of the guys now. And I'm just here. I'm just a... You know, I'm just a just small peg in this big old operation, you know? And that's probably why Carmelo Anthony had so much so much difficulty in getting signed. Um that signing by the Portland Trailblazers is, is it kind of reeks of desperation. Right? Totally. Totally on both sides, really. But you know, but that's you contrast that with Dwight Howard, you know, the reason why Dwight Dwight Howard is and you know, it remains to be seen how Carmelo Anthony's gonna gonna do, but 
that's the reason why Dwight Howard has thrived so much is because he's done something that has rarely happened with superstar players, which is realize that, look, for whatever circumstances, whether it's because I've lost a step or whether it's because my reputation has just gotten to a point where it's just it's become it's just tarnished my legacy. He's he's reinvented himself and humbled himself and. He's like, I'm going to take this new role and just keep my head down and be as positive as possible and do whatever I can to help the team. And that, I think, has been, it's been the driver to his success and why he's done so well. Yeah, he, so I think a, a, a big reason why he's had this mindset shift is because he's just been humbled. Oh, yeah. You know, very humbled very- and also the money thing. You know, we joked around in the past, but like he's literally it's it's like Genie Bus after the game, busting out hundred dollar bills and putting it into his hand after each game. Like, here you go. You yeah, his this. contract is per day, I think, <laughs> yeah. that he's on the team, right? So which is unheard of. It's unheard of for a superstar player who's typically like I mean, look at Kobe Bryant during the twilight of his last years as a Laker. I mean, he had some rough, rough last season, few seasons, and he was cashing in those checks you know how much did he get paid the last two years it was an insane amount i think like 24 million i think he signed a two-year 48 million dollars yeah it's insane and he was and he was a shadow of himself you know yeah and here he is and dwight howard here he's still very much uh you know he's he's obviously past his prime but he's still very much a capable player athletic athletically you know Mm -hmm. and he, he yet he's playing paycheck to paycheck you know, so yeah, it's humbling to say the least. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think like the attitude change is like probably the most important aspect of it. Like it starts with themselves internally, like making that conscious choice to like, okay, I'm not like who I once was, so I I need to accept like a different role, and that's like led a lot to Dwight Howard's current success. You know, but I think there are other aspects to it as well yeah yeah it's not a you can't say it's just a singular thing right yeah so for dwight in dwight's case specifically like i think one of the one of the uh big reasons like he's been able to do this is because of his skill set like he he has skills that he can still that are still um very helpful for a team you know yeah again let's let's, let's con- yeah let's contrast that with carmelo right? right like carmelo what is he known for he's just known for like being a scorer you know and if his shot's not falling if his shot's not falling then he's like a minus player on a team right and at this point at this stage in his career like he's not the scorer that he once was right so because of because of what he's able like, capable of doing at this point He's not going to be as valuable to a team, in my opinion, as Dwight Howard, because Dwight's bread and butter right now is rebounding and defending, something that he's always been good at and that he can still do at this point in his career. Yeah, he can imprint, put his imprint on a game in in way more ways than a guy like Carmelo. Yeah, yeah. And which leads to another aspect is 
Dwight looks like he's in phenomenal shape now. And I think we touched a little bit about his like infamous, you know, you're saying diet he, as a younger man. You're saying he put down the uh the Sour Patch Kids? That's yeah. hard to do. It's hard to it's hard to kick that Sour it, Patch it Kids habit. It is hard to put the gummy bears down, the Sour Patch Kids, the Snickers bars down. Um but but yeah, I think he's done that. Um he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. He looks a lot more slimmer than he has in the past, right? He look yeah, he does. He he looks so um fit in shape, you know. Yeah, and I think as I, I think as an NBA player, like as you get older, especially like uh the taller players in the NBA, like you have to you have to like trim down the weight, I feel like, to be able to like keep up with like younger players as you get older in the NBA. Yeah, even Kobe too, like who's not like you know, one of the taller players, but even Kobe during, as he progressed in his career, he, he didn't bulk up as much, you know? Yeah, there, I mean, there were a couple of years where he was like, he looked yoked, really slim. I mean, really, yeah, really jacked. Yeah. yeah. And then he slimmed down. And yeah. I think that, that helped him, you know? And like you said, you know, it, it, as you get older, it's all about, you know, it's about the agility and being able to keep up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing about LeBron, um, Dwight Howard though, is that he looks yeah, he he does look a slim down, but yet he's still such a physical specimen. That dude is like, like you can tell even in his jersey, he the way he fills it out, like he looks like he can still jump out of a gym. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like there's some like genetics have some some to do with that, you know, like that is a factor. But I feel like even for those that are not like the top point zero zero one percent, like Dwight Howard. You can still. We have do... two of them. We, by the way, we have two of them. Right. We have LeBron and Dwight Howard, yeah. two of the most like physically gifted players right, to ever right. played the NBA. And you, and even if you're not one of those guys, like you can still do things, conditioning wise, to help yourself out. You know, as you get older, if you're trying to like, right. like Lamarcus back. Aldridge, yeah, or, someone like that, guy. yeah, a player yeah. like that. And so he's done that. You know, so I think a combination of all those things, uh, I feel like. This was like the perfect opportunity for him too, you know, uh, the perfect team makeup. Like he, the the role that he's playing right now, it seems like it was like tailor made for him at this point. Like, kind of like why this team has so seamlessly, uh, turned into like a contender right right out the gates. Yeah, and and you know, like the other thing too, like to kind of touch upon what you just brought up, um. You know, it's obvious now that Dwight Howard doesn't respond very well to, uh, you know, the tough love kind of uh, treatment, you know? The, the Kobe, the Kobe treatment? <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, that's Kobe's MO, you know? And that's Jordan's MO. You know, that's how those two guys, they're so fiercely competitive. There's just no, no bullshit, no frills, like, just come to work and bring it, right? Jimmy Butler, yeah, is another player that yeah. I feel like is of that ilk, right? You mean Jimmy Butler, Michael Jordan's, you know, love child, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, allegedly, like, allegedly, yeah, um, but yeah, and you know, contrast that with like a guy like LeBron James, who's he's a much more like <laughs> he's a, he's like a loving, he's much more of a loving parental figure, you know what I mean, uh. If anything, LeBron James, if he's going to try to get, get through to you, he's going to be passive-aggressive about it. 
right? <laughs> but he will put his arm around you. Exactly, like, you know? exactly. He's like, you know, he's going to put his arm around you and be like, uh, you know, I'm not going to trade you. Of course not. And then he'll trade your ass, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. two weeks later. But that's, you know, he, he just fits with LeBron's style of leadership so much better. You know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah, like you said, it's just such a perfect situation for him. Yeah, so I it it almost sounds like there are it was just like the perfect storm, I guess, for for Dwight Howard to like have the kind of season that he's been having so far. Like how, would you see him being able to do this on a lot of other teams or any other team? Uh yes, I I do, but the only thing is that he would not have gotten he would not have gotten the same kind of like I mean that's the thing about being a Laker is that uh you get the good with the bad. You know what I mean? The bad is that if you're not doing well, you will get destroyed. Like the Laker fan base is so rabid, it's so it's it's really nuts, right? But if you do bad, if you do poorly, you'll get destroyed. But the flip side is, when you do well, if you do well, you are a god in the city. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Mm, like, I, I agree to an extent to that. Okay. Because, I mean, I still... Sometimes I still have a hard time, like, putting my finger... Or, like, figuring out our, our Laker fan base. Uh-huh. Because just in recent times, like, guys like Lonzo Ball, I mean, they were... He was he was screwing up like left and right and not not really living up and yet there was a huge percentage of the fan base that was like staunchly defending him, you know? Yeah, but I think that's sort of a different uh I think that's a different situation. I think Lonzo Ball is a very unique situation. You know, he he's a local product. He's from Chino Hills, he went to UCLA. He was kind of like LA's favorite son. I think it's a little different, you know? Okay, um, yeah. I mean, people wanted him to be, like, oh, the they, one. They like, wanted so him bad. so badly to be the one. They, yeah. they, they really just, yeah. Um, but, you know, back to the, to the Lakers, like, fan base. Like, a perfect example is Alex Caruso. This is a guy who, on any other team, he's just, he's just, a, he's just another dude. He's, he's just another guy on any other team, you know? He's yeah. a he's a good role player, you know, and I mean I love that he's a, he's a fan favorite, right? But on the Lakers, he gets his own mural. He gets a mural where he's like <laughs> dunking over like the who's who of the NBA, you know? Mural. You get a mural in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean the guy's like creating a pretty nice highlight reel. Yeah, you know? but you know that's how crazy it is. So like, I I could I do think that Dwight Howard could have done this somewhere else, but it's just. The fact that he's doing it in LA, it's helping him tremendously, you know? Because, look, it, just look at the situation. He was obviously humbled because no team would uh, would pick him up, right? So he's thinking, wow, I really just got to, like, buckle down, get in shape, put my head down, be the perfect teammate, right? Mm-hmm. He had that mentality for whatever team was going to pick him up, right? So let's say if he did that, I don't know, like, um, Memphis, right? Memphis Grizzlies, right? Let's see if he did that. 
No one's gonna give an F. No one's gonna care about that. But you think he could have done that on that team? Yeah, because I think he could have because, look, the guy is still a absolute physical specimen. The guy is still you cannot put a body on that guy on the on the on the glass on the glass, you know? Like his presence is his presence would have been felt regardless. That's how that's how talented the guy is. This guy is a Hall of Famer, you know? But that's how talented this guy is that he would have he would have made an imprint wherever he he would have gone, but it's look, he's in his championship, he's on a championship roster, a team that has championship aspirations. So when you do the small things, it becomes even more magnified. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. why I think that this situation is so perfect. It's so tailor-made for him that, you know, the things that he's doing right now is just uh, everybody's taking notice, you know? Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I think, like, I think this was a perfect situation for him. I don't know that he could have recreated this on... Uh, every other team in the NBA. You know, like yeah, having LeBron a, having LeBron helps make he makes everyone look better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, one. there's a it's a definitely a perfect storm type of situation, I think, too. Uh this team already has like an established pecking order, you know? Right. Uh, there aren't that many I mean, Anthony Davis is what? He's the most talented big in the NBA right now. Um you know, you can make a case for like Joel Embiid, uh, Nikola Jokic, there there are a handful of like super talented bigs, and so Dwight would be crazy to think that he can like outshine like a guy like Anthony Davis, you know. But put him on a team that is like severely lacking in big men. I don't know. Maybe his attitude would be a little bit different. Maybe he would be thinking like, oh, maybe I can score a little bit more here, or like. You know, post up. I mean, he's had a history of like wanting to post up more. You know, right? Uh, but he's not gonna, he's not gonna be saying that on this Lakers team because that would be like utterly ridiculous. You know, it's like it's LeBron and Anthony Davis's show, and then it's it's more just guest It's more of a, it's more of an easy easier thing pill for him to swallow that he's just gonna play a role on a team with LeBron and Anthony. Sure, Davis. I see. What, I see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. It's. Um... I don't know any other situation that maybe even the possibly the Clippers. That's the only other situation I could have seen that you know. Yeah. So, or the Rockets. Or something, so it you know? could be. I think. I think some of it is also like situational too. You know. Right. So this. Uh, you know, it, this could have been just like the perfect opportunity for him to like be able to do what he's doing now. The stars definitely aligned for him. Yeah. Which is, which I guess is the whole point in this discussion is like, this doesn't happen very often. You know, we haven't seen many players in NBA history be able to take such a huge fall and then come back and reemerge. Maybe it's because of like, there's several things that need to happen in order for a player to do this, you know? Yeah. Starting with the attitude change and then like, are they in good shape? You know, do their skills um, align with what they can do at this point? You know, are are they in the right opportunity? There's, that's like a lot well, of asks, you know. It is. And also, it's just, it's kind of like, it's the winning that really, you know, drives everything. You know what I mean? If the Lakers were struggling right now, if the Lakers were like, I don't know, let's say disaster, 
500. Yeah. Or seven and eight or whatever, or eight and seven or whatever, you know? Uh, we wouldn't be... There wouldn't be as much goodwill about Dwight Howard. Well, what if Dwight was still, like, doing what he's doing, but the Lakers were... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, like, people would be... I think people would be, like, pleasantly surprised. People would be like, oh, that's that's great, you know? Yeah. But I don't think people would be like, oh, my gosh, Dwight Howard is reinvented. You know, because you look at the box score... It's not like he's lighting the world on fire with stats. Right, you know? right. So, you know, now the the advanced analytical analytic stat heads, I think, like, they would be very much be saying, wow, Dwight Howard is, like, reinventing himself. He's looking really good. Well, you but know, speaking of box score, like, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't really filled the box score uh, too much so far yeah. this year. But his per 36 minutes numbers, yeah. like, his... Okay, so, so he's on the team for what? You know, rebounding and shot blocking, primarily, right? Yeah. His his uh, rebound and block per thirty six minute uh, averages are right in line with his like peak, right? Peak numbers in like thirteen rebounds and three blocks per. Which makes sense because he passes the eye test. Yeah. So like anyone who can watch him play, they know what he's they know what he's doing out there. Even though like the box score doesn't really reflect like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all those reasons, you know, are kind of like why he's been able to do this. Um, yeah, like think I don't of, think I don't think Carmelo Anthony is. I don't think that experiment is going to last. Yeah. So what do you, gonna... you project out of like the Portland Carmen, Carmelo Anthony it's, experiment? I don't. I don't think it's going to. I mean, I was never really a big Carmelo fan. Um, because he's so one-dimensional, mm-hmm. you know. It's if he's if his shot's not falling, he's just you know. Um, and also I don't know exactly how much this guy's been humbled. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I think that's the key ingredient. You have to be humbled to the point where you're like, "Damn, I gotta like really change my my game and reinvent myself." You know? Well, he is on the same contract as White Howard. Yeah, it's true, but. I don't know. I don't know how much... Like, Neil O'Shea is, like, writing checks to Carmelo yeah. after every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like here's one thing about Dwight Howard is that you can say all you want about, uh, you know, his he's a bit of a, you know, class clown and all that. The dude, the dude stays in shape, though. You know? Even when he had that candy habit, the guy is, you know, physically... Yeah, I mean, Carmelo's not as blessed physically well, as. But beyond as that, though, Carmelo is also just. I don't think he has the same work ethic as, like, some of these guys. Well, I mean, you know, he does post those, like, <laughs> videos of him in the gym. Which, like, by the way, has been. Hoodie Mellow. Yeah, know? which, by the way, has been debunked. Like, people have been, like, laughing at that and saying that, you know, that's not. You know, people love to post these, you know, workout videos and shot. Oh, my new reinvented shot videos and all that stuff. And like, that's all smoke. You know, like it's not. Carl Anthony does not is not a gym rat by any means. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how much exactly you know how much that would bode well for him with on this team. So. Yeah, and plus that team is like not enough shots. I, to I've been around. I've been surprised. By how I guess I I underestimated just the impact of like their the free the the players that they lost from last year you know like even guys like the Aminus and the 
Mole Harkless's, you know, Evan Turner's. I guess they missed those guys. Yeah, you. I mean, you were this. This was a this was a team that was uh, on your radar for this. this yeah, one of the I, teams you I mean, I I predicted that Dame Lillard would win MVP this year, and I underestimated how much of a drop off they they were gonna have as a team. I still feel somewhat vindicated in that pick because Dame is like playing lights out so far this year. Yeah. On an individual level, but it doesn't look like he's gonna win MVP because that team's just not that good. Well, I mean I think a big part of that is also because of Hassan Whiteside. He's who's basically like Dwight yeah, Howard. Yeah, that experiment that, has not worked doesn't look like it's gonna work out. He's well Dwight Howard him. part two, basically. Yeah. He's you know, he's gonna have to do a redemption tour himself and really <laughs> right. like, you know, because uh, I mean the guy again he's he's similarly just so physically gifted and he's I don't think up... he's as physically gifted as Dwight Howard though well I don't think anybody is other than like a very select few right in yeah, the history yeah, of the game yeah but he is still so he's I mean the guy is a beast but um yeah you know like he's still kind of filling up the stat sheet and the box score but they're really basically empty calories they just you know, they just look pretty at the end, but you can tell he's not very, uh, you know, invested and not, he's not on his game the whole time, you know? Well, they, uh, the team. I saw the Portland Clippers game recently, and he was just getting killed on that Lou Williams, Montres Harold pick yeah, roll. Like, yeah. He just couldn't do anything, right? you know? So, um, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that, yeah, Hassan Whiteside is also very physically gifted like Dwight. But the one thing about Dwight that people are not, people are sleeping on, the reason why, I think it's because Dwight is so physically just imposing, is the guy actually has some real good defensive instincts. And you can't not have good defensive instincts and be a three-time defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's, you can tell that he's like smart, you know? Like, oh, He's, positionally he yeah like, looks like he's knows where what he's doing i mean just just contrast that with javel mcgee the one <laughs> one remaining um you know one of the few remaining meme team carryovers from last season you know it's night and day yeah i mean javel is good for like weak side help like the weak side block i guess you know um mcgee mcgee makes up for his defensive uh, deficiencies with his athleticism, his length, know? yeah, his length and athleticism yeah. versus Dwight Howard is he's both a you know a uh, athletic uh, a supreme athlete and also with great defensive instincts, you know. So yeah, and, yeah, and and I think Dwight Howard is also like this is like a you know a, a Dwight Howard ass kissing session, I guess, but. <laughs> He's really... what a, I mean what a what a time what <laughs> what a crazy timeline we're living in right now man I I called him one of the most hated Lakers of all time What a crazy timeline we're living in what a what a world we're living in Now right we're now. backpedaling we're loving loving Dwight Howard Hey I you know? I am I have no qualms with just eating crow like I'm I'm actually genuinely happy for the guy like Yeah I love every soundbite he's given like he just seems like his this whole turnaround has seemed so genuine to me, honestly. Like, and I, you know, I, it, it could be a complete show. Um, it's possible, but right now, like, 
man, like it's he's honestly become one of my favorite Lakers on yeah, this team. I'm buying it. Yeah, I'm buying yeah. everything he's saying. And he's showing it on the court. Yeah. But like I don't know many bigs that can like switch out on guards or like wing players the way he can. Yeah. And that kind of I guess that's a combination that block on Kobe White. Yeah, I guess that's a combination of both like instincts and talent. Yeah. But he has it well, there's a reason why he was three time defensive player right, of the year. Exactly. Right. You can't just win defensive player of the year just based off of like your athletic ability. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Um So there I guess what we're saying is that there hasn't been many cases of what we're seeing Dwight Howard pull off right now. <clears throat> um do any are there any players in your that come to mind for you? Other players that have been able to like recreate themselves. I would say I, I made like a sh- very short list. I couldn't really think of too many, but yeah, I don't know. I guess to to a certain degree, Derek Rose. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I think Derek Rose is you know he's a guy who's he's he. He's really tailored the game. He's like, uh, you know, one of the things why Carmelo Anthony, the game is kind of passing by, you know? he His three has not improved over the years. Mm-hmm. Whereas Derrick Rose is actually a fantastic three-point shooter now. Yeah, he, wor- he really worked on his game. Like, he's a much more skilled player, I guess, yeah. than he was with the Bulls. Yeah, he's still athletic. Not, you know, uber athletic like it was in on the bulls when he was just yamming on fools with two hands see i would categorize him as like on that dwight howard level of like the point one percent yeah no absolutely like check out his dunks like in his prime when he was on the bulls it's it's things you've never seen before you know for Mm -hmm. a guy his size and you know that's partly of what that that speaks to what we were talking about many times in on previous podcasts of how like sometimes when you're that athletic you're kind of worried because you're wondering, like, is your body going to break down because you're, it's just, it's not, it's almost not natural for your body to be that physically gifted. You know what I mean? Yeah, talking about Zion. Yeah. And like Blake Griffin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And D- Derek Rose is, is a similar case because he was just so athletic, you know? But His ligaments just couldn't handle the ferocity, <laughs> like, yeah. by which he Yeah, played. LeBron James is literally the only guy who, like, I, I'm convinced the guy has... Two ACLs on each knee. You know, the guy is just... He's got a backup ACL and MCL. Yeah, he looks... <laughs> he's a cyborg, you know? I mean, spends, like, multi-million dollars every year on his body. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So maybe that's... Yeah. Why. But, um, you know, back to Derrick Rose. Like, he's now... Uh, he's an amazing... Not amazing, but he's he's a fantastic three-point shooter now. So I think he's a guy who you could say is in reinvent himself. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably... Uh, attribute his reinvention mostly to like his developing skill set you know like him just adding stuff to his game yeah and and you know he's a guy who's you can definitely say he's been humbled you know he was on top of the world youngest mvp ever yeah um but it's not like he ever had like an attitude problem you know so i i don't know like I don't know if he needed to be humble. He probably was, but I don't know if he needed that. Oh, I'm not saying he needed that. I'm just saying it must have been yeah. a very humbling experience for right. a guy who was... Like, Dwight Howard needed it, I feel like, you know? <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Derrick Rose is a good example. Um, I thought of a couple... I thought of, like, two players. Um, Chauncey Billups. 
Interesting. Okay. Okay. Because he, I think he was a top. He's a top five draft pick coming out of college. He was definitely a lottery pick for sure. Like a high lottery pick, and then he like bounced around like. Was he from Colorado State or something? Colorado. Yeah. And he bounced around from like four or five different teams before he uh, ended up with the Pistons. And then like in year eight or something like that, he became an all star. Which is pretty crazy. So that doesn't happen like very often no. at all. Like very rarely does it happen. Yeah. Um, with him, it might be just a, a case of just the right fit, the right opportunity. Yeah. You know, I didn't really follow his career very closely like in the early years. Then all of a sudden he like became Mr. Big Shot. Um, I think Drew Holiday kind of comes to mind too. Because when he first got drafted, I mean, he's what? He's like a top two, top three point guard now, right? Now? Yeah. I wouldn't say he's a top three point guard now. You don't think so? T- today? He's, con- he's considered um, top five, maybe, but he's considered like one of the top def- uh, point guard defenders, right? I mean, I will say People that... People say he's the best def- uh, point guard defender. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say he's underrated for sure, but I, I don't know that I would call him a top five point guard. Really? Okay. Because I would say, just off the top of my head, like, Steph, Dame Lillard, I don't know, Luka Doncic, is he a point guard? No, he's not. He's one of the... He's one of the leading assist guys in in. NBA. So is LeBron though. So I guess we have to say LeBron James is the um, top point guard. <laughs> like, I don't know, uh, Westbrook. I'd you, actually take Drew Holiday over Westbrook right now. Um, Trey Young. I don't know. That's debatable. Drew Drew Holiday is one of the best two way players in the NBA for sure. Kyrie, well, I don't want to ask about Kyrie because you know. <laughs> okay, you would take Kyrie over him. De'Aaron yeah. Fox. I don't know. I think you can make a case that Drew Holiday is better. I would take De'Aaron Fox over Drew Holiday. Oh yeah, if you're building a team for sure. Um, I think I'm right. I think he's a Drew Holiday is a top five point guard in the NBA. Hold on, that can't be right. He's a top five point guard in the well, NBA. I mean, which you- I think is a. It's a big deal for a guy who, when he was first drafted, he wasn't anything like. Yeah, so you could you, probably have gotten him very. What are easily. you? De- what's your definition of when you say top five? Like, what were you saying just for this season? Yeah, only? yeah, yeah. For sure, if you if you want to build around a team, of course you're going to pick guys like Trey Young and De'Aaron Fox. But you take, I would take Trey Young over Drew Holiday right now. Okay. Um. It's obviously, debatable though, because Drew Holiday is a like defensive. Steph, you know, yeah. obviously. But I think it's debatable with Trey Young because Drew Drew Holiday is a defensive yeah. guy. Kyrie, I would take over Drew Holiday right now. I mean, how many point guards can Chuck check Paul George? <laughs> yeah. First game back. So okay, Steph. Um, Steph, you would agree with, right? Yeah. Would you agree with Kyrie? Yeah. Uh, Dame Lillard. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe it starts getting a little tricky after that. Top five point Chris Paul? No, dude. For Drew... this season only. Yeah, Drew Holly for sure. I think people are sleeping up. Kemba Walker? I would take Drew Holly over him. Wow. Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker's not a defensive player, though. That's why. He's a little undersized as well. Do you think Kemba Walker's going to check Paul George? Um, did Drew Holiday really check Paul George? He checked Paul George, dog. How many points did Paul George have that game? I mean, Paul George 
played very well. <laughs> he, he played very well. But in the crucial last few, few possessions, guy stripped him twice in clutch. And you take Drew Holly over, over Westbrook? I would, actually. Hmm. Westbrook is actually kind of a concern if I'm a Rockets fan. I'd be concerned about that guy. Yeah, and we're His not- shooting woes is no longer like, oh, he's in a slump. It's almost like this is the new, this is the normal, regular Westbrook now. Yeah, and we're we're not counting Luka Doncic as a point guard. Nah, because then if you do that, you gotta open it up for LeBron James, and at that point, you know, LeBron James is the point god, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess Kyle Lowry. You oh, take Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday Kyle over Lowry. Kyle Lowry for sure. NBA champion Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Nah. Yeah, I guess maybe he is a top five point guard then Mike Conley Mike Conley's having a hard year struggle struggle this year so far I guess so wow top five point guard right there okay uh, <laughs> this podcast has, be, has gone from the Dwight Howard podcast to the Drew Holiday podcast <laughs> <laughs> okay so but back to like reinventing yeah. reinventing uh, yourself as an NBA player like the other guy I had in mind was Sean Livingston that's a good one yeah so good very one. similar to Dwight Howard kind of right like he was like on the he was on the verge of like rising as a as a star in well I would say you know it's a little different because Dwight Howard basically made it as a superstar Sean Livingston was on that cusp yeah but um you know he's he was SGA before SGA yeah but yeah. uh yeah, that's one of the one of the great NBA what ifs, I think. But yeah, he did he did reinvent himself into like a really quality role player. Yeah, and he you know one of the key like role players for the for the Warriors teams that won yeah. titles, and yeah. I think we're looking at Dwight Howard, and he's playing like a similar role like that, like a Sean Livingston, saw, like a not exactly the same role, but like in terms of like coming off the bench and contributing. I, I think Dwight's gonna be. I mean, he's clearly established himself as, like, a crunch time player for this team now. Yeah. You know? I think there's a lot of uh, instances in the past. If we were to go to, like, the history of the NBA, I think there are, are a lot of players, you know, superstar players that sort of in the more of the twilight of their careers, you know, they've taken that role. Um, you know, I think, like, Gail Goodrich, if you go way back, but... Yeah, in recent memory, I don't think I kind of had a hard time like trying to find other players though. Yeah, um, but do you think there's like more a, a lot? More? I would say if we were to look at like championship rosters, I think that's the easiest way to find guys that reinvent themselves. Like, because that's that's the key is that you know finding those bargain players or finding those guys that uh, play way better than you expect. It's because you get those superstar or all former all star players that play take a more diminished role you know on a championship roster you know yeah i mean i it's ron a, harper for example it's a little more nuanced than that for me uh it's a little more different case with dwight because dwight just like was on almost on the way out of the league and then right and now he's well back. that's if you were to say that there's really i don't even know if there is a, a case like that you know guys that were out of the league yeah so i think it's very few like a sean livingston right or like maybe even chauncey Billups. i was gonna say though well i don't think chauncey Billups was out of the league on his way out of the league though 
you know? It was looking it was looking like kind of bleak for him, I Was it? Like I don't know time. if it was looking bleak. Um you know, another example is Ron Harper. That was a high fly act, twenty points a game on the Cavs. Uh-huh. And then he was a key member of the the three peat, the Chicago Bulls three peat. Yeah, he just uh, he used, he was on the Clippers too. He did remember if you remember, like yeah. he was scoring a lot for the Clippers. Um, and then he, yeah, he took a diminished role with the Bulls, obviously because of like you know Jordan Pippen and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just I feel like it. There's not many cases. It's a very rare case. Yeah. If you talk, if you take in all the factors, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's like one of the big re- you know, one of the main things we can point to as Lakers fans at this moment, why the Lakers are sitting at 12-2. and two. What a blessing in disguise that DeMarcus Cousins' in- injury happened. You know, like, I was, I, I was quite devastated when that injury report came out. Yeah, I mean, I... I was pretty bummed that day. I almost felt our championship aspirations were yeah, out the window at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I didn't think you and I are much higher than other people about DeMarcus Cousins, but, you know, we felt like a guy a year removed from that devastating injury. Um, you know, if you were to look at his, his numbers last season, like, they were actually low-key pretty good. Um, and we were expecting him to, like, play, to play a really good role. I mean, you want to talk about, like, uh, guys making a comeback, you know? He's kind of, he kind of fills that role, you know? It kind yeah. of fills that you know, those factors, you know, guy coming back from Achilles, you know? So yeah, we were really excited about him, but then that injury just kind of took the sail out of our win uh, or the wind out of our sails. And then you had Dwight Howard just come out of nowhere, man. Yeah. Crazy, crazy Crazy. how things work out. Um, Is there anything uh, that you want to talk about? With what you've seen with the team recently, anything that stood out to you? I mean, it's it's almost like we don't even need to do a pod anymore because there's no complaints, man. <laughs> Last year, our pod was like we 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 just kept going on and on about all the just issues we had with the team, right. you know? Yeah. But I'm like, I seriously, I watched the game yesterday, and I was just I sat back watching the game without a just a single worry. I was like. There was nothing that I was just freaking out about. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that I'm... It's just a thought. It's not a concern. Okay, but, okay. Uh, I'm just thinking about the three-point shooting on this team. Right. This might, It might be something that... You know, it's something to it's something to monitor, I feel like. Because in the early yeah. going, the, the, the numbers haven't been that great. Yeah, from an outside shooting perspective. Yeah. Um. Now, is that gonna matter too much later down the road with a team that has LeBron and AD on it? Yeah. Who knows? But I feel like it's just something that we as Laker fans that follow the team closely should you know be aware of. Keep in yeah. mind that um, they can use a little bit. It would be nicer to, you know, see them shoot outside a little bit better. Oh, I because I think apart from Danny Green, it's like yeah, and I don't see and Danny Green else. is actually kind of I think he's cooled off quite a bit actually. Has he? Yeah, I think so. But I will say, um, I think 
also i'm if we were if we were to nitpick right now like i'm still just so not a fan of rondo guy is just he's actually done a little bit better than i expected but his defense is just so bad yeah i mean i didn't see yesterday's game against the thunder um but but you know out of all this though like all these injuries and all this it's like it's such a pleasant surprise to see alex caruso really emerge and take advantage of this opportunity because he's he's getting some he's one of the first few guys off the bench now yeah give a lot of credit to frank vogel for seeing that and being able to make adjustments because i don't think he had him uh playing this many minutes like at the start of the season yeah but he obviously like you can see you can see what he's capable of when he's on the court, and so he's been able to make that adjustment and give him more minutes. Yeah, and Alex Caruso makes, you know, where whereas I look at Rondo and I just cringe at him on the defensive end every single time. Alex Caruso will make like one or two key defensive plays every game. It almost feels like yeah, whether know? it's like a strip, whether it's yeah. Uh, drawing a, a offensive foul, yeah, or whatever. And the thing I love about Alex Caruso too is that, to me, he just he he has no fear. Like, you know, like his shot hasn't been really falling this season. He probably needs to improve his shot a little bit too. But when they give it to him, um, when the defense gives him the shot, he takes it. He'll still take it even if he's missed like the first couple. Yeah, shots. he doesn't uh, play hot potato with the yeah, with the basketball. which is great. I think that's that's really important. You know, uh-huh. so. Yeah, there's a lot to like. Yeah, he guards both guard positions, so I mean, you know, and he's and he's dunking on dudes, you know. Got what a mur- you... mural of him up in LA. So Yeah, we love Caruso. But um yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about with the team? No, let's we should should we check the clipper score before we um I mean who cares? Wow. Who cares? We're only here to talk about the first place team in the NBA right now. Oh, you know? shots fired. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's wrap it up. Um that was our podcast. We just wanted to um give some props to a much blind Dwight Howard. Uh we're back we're back uh, on on his good side, you know. It's been we're rooting for him now. I might have uh, to get a Dwight Howard jersey. One of the best uh, you know, success <laughs> stories that we've seen um, coming out of the Lakers in in recent years so um, give a lot of credit to Dwight Um, he's done a great job our team looks amazing and uh, there's no reason to suspect um, any drop off anytime soon the only thing is everyone's just got to pitch in just prayer circle around just the health of this team i think the only thing that can derail this team and its championship art uh, aspirations is, is injuries yeah uh the the team has a relatively easier schedule for the rest of this month but i think their december is going to be like a real challenge yeah they play they have a really tough slate of games uh next month now's the time to lock in all those wins yeah. all these easy so, and you know culminating with the clippers christmas game so i think like who knows? Maybe like in a little bit over a month from now, our tune might be a little bit different, or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's just you know enjoy this moment while we have it. <laughs> the Lakers are first place in the NBA. Nothing to complain about at this point, you know. Yeah. Very little to if if at all. But um, yeah, good times, you know. We're happy. We don't we really have much else to say, so we'll just end the podcast here on good note. Yep. With that said, uh. 
thank you guys for listening you know uh be sure to follow us on twitter as we always say um at the end of each podcast at 81 points podcast and uh with that said we'll check in with you guys next time peace thank you for tuning into 81 points we are a los angeles lakers podcast hosted by me chris lim and my longtime friend and co-host chris lee if you like what you heard please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment we'd love to hear your feedback you can get more episodes of 81 points on itunes google play or wherever you get your podcasts see you next time